and Ziploc that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, Now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Hey everybody, Randy here. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to thank our sponsor, Precision Pro Golf, precisionprogolf.com. They are the official rangefinder of No Laying Up. Uh, you can go to precisionprogolf.com, use the code TRAPDRAW, all caps, TRAPDRAW at checkout for $20 off uh, any Precision Pro Golf rangefinder. I'll say it's the item in my bag I use most during the round. Um, I've really found them to be a time saver. Uh, they are so easy to use, so accurate. Uh, it's, it's really been probably the, the best addition to my golf game, uh, really, in the last six months or so. So we've really enjoyed working with them. Uh, I'd say with most of the country, most of the world in quarantine, um, hopefully you're still able to, to golf where you are. I'll say whether you're walking, uh, you can use it to quickly find distances, save you a little bit of time, or whether you are riding in a cart still, uh, most of the models have a great mag built-in magnet feature that you can stick right to the side of your cart. Uh, makes it very, very easy to, to get to and to use. So right now, listeners of the podcast can receive an extra $20 off, like I said, at precisionprogolf.com. Uh, use the code TRAPDRAW all uppercase trap draw at checkout. Uh, Precision Pro Golf is the only rangefinder that offers free battery replacement services. So you're not only getting a rangefinder, you're signing up for a lifetime service. And I have to say that's uh, very comforting to know. I know as soon as my battery runs out, just let them know, they'll send me a new one and uh, away I go. So last time, go to precisionprogolf.com, use the code trap draw at checkout for 20 dollars off uh, our favorite rangefinder and what will soon be your favorite rangefinder and swing with confidence hit more greens with precision pro golf thank them again for their sponsorship and uh, i hope you enjoy my conversation with austin ernst ladies and gentlemen welcome to another edition of the trap draw podcast i hope everybody is uh safe and keeping their wits about them as most of the country and really most of the world is is under quarantine right now. Um, I am joined today. Our, our guest is Austin Ernst of the LPGA Tour. Austin, how are you? Good, Randy. Just trying, uh, trying to stay sane. Like everybody else, I'm sure. Uh, what uh, Have you picked up any new skills or hobbies? Are you working on anything new, non-golf related during this time? Um, I've never been much of a runner and this has made me start running a little bit. So I don't know if that, I'm sure that's a good thing. Um, yeah, I think other it's than that, you know, there it's just trying to figure out things to do to pass some time. Well, let me ask you about the running. What's I, about every day. I, I, I enjoy running. I feel like more than anything, it's the best, uh, it's the best thing for my mental health. I, I feel it, it calms me down and, and kind of focuses me. And so, yeah, it's tough with my gym closed. Uh, running is about one of the only things. Running and biking is is about the only thing I can do now. So I try to go every day, but I'm curious if, if you're out there just about every day or you know a couple times a week. What's your uh, what's your cadence? Yeah, I've been trying to do like four days a week. Um, I've never really done it before. I've always just worked out and never been 
never been one to really, really run too far. So I'm trying not to um, jump into it too quick. Uh, but I try to do two miles. Um, I did two miles yesterday and I ran the whole thing. So that's, that's the first time I've gone that far and ran the entire way. But I'm sure I'll, depending on how long we, uh, we're doing this, I'm sure I'll get a little bit better at it. But it's been nice to just get outside and, and get, a, get out of the house for a little bit. I can still practice. The courses aren't shut down um, where I am. So I can still practice. It's just the motivation to go practice right now isn't fully there every day. So um, it's nice to be able to get out and, and do something when I'm not um, not practicing. Yeah, um, I, I hear you on that. And with spring approaching the rest of the country, hopefully everybody listening uh, has a chance soon to enjoy that that nice outdoor weather. Uh, I know you're from Greenville, South Carolina. Is that is that where you are now, or are you somewhere? Uh, do you live somewhere else? Currently, um, I'm in Virginia. Uh, my boyfriend lives in Virginia. I currently live in Florida. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm kind of all over the place. My my family's still in South Carolina, um, but I've been I've been in Richmond. Um, is where I am currently. Okay. So they uh, they put us under the stay at home, um, except for I guess essential businesses. But they have deemed golf courses essential to stay open. So you just can't go in the clubhouse. Yeah, gotcha. That's been the case. I know of at least a few other states like that, which I think is is good as long as people. You know, I, I definitely think you can play golf responsibly. Thing. So hopefully, you know, people use good sense and, and can enjoy, if nothing else, it's, it's a great walk and a, and a great way to take your mind off of, uh, everything else going on. So, um, absolutely. I know, I know a lot of places are doing walking only too, which is nice, um, to kind of get out and I, I typically don't walk when I'm at home. So I have a carry bag right now. Um, and typically I don't like to lug around the big bag. So, uh, I normally just hop in a cart, but it's been nice to get out and, um, walk around the course too for a little bit. Yeah, I, I feel like it probably takes you back almost to when you're a kid. Yeah, it's junior golf days. Yeah, so, um, it's it's been nice. Uh, well, a, a quick I, I had asked um, our Twitter audience for some questions. We for anybody who didn't um, listen, oh, a couple weeks ago now we did a, a pretty fun Q and A with Justin Thomas on the NLU podcast and. Um, Wanted to do that here with you, so got some great listener submission questions that I want to get to in, in just a second. But before we do, I would love to briefly run through your golf history, uh, your career to date, and uh, more or less set the stage for, for for anybody listening that's that's not overly familiar with who you are and, and what you've accomplished. Um, so with, with that being said... Uh, how how did you end up at LSU? Um, so, like you said, I'm from South Carolina. Um, I'm technically from a um, city called Seneca. So it's five miles from Clemson. Um, Clemson did not have a women's golf team at the time. So uh, basically I had my, my top three that I had narrowed it down to at the end were Georgia, LSU, and Alabama. And... Um, LSU was by far the farthest, farthest away. Um, but I had a few friends that were going there, uh, that taught me into going on a visit and I went down to Baton Rouge and I absolutely loved 
campus. Um, I love the golf courses we got to play. I really like the team, like the coaches, um, and I loved college football. So, I mean, with the with the top three schools I had, I couldn't go wrong with football. Um, I got to see a lot of good uh, good football games while I was being recruited. But uh, got down there, and um, it kind of came down to the smallest things. And one of the biggest things I liked about Baton Rouge was it's warm in the wintertime. Yeah. <laughs> so even in upstate South Carolina, it'll snow a little bit um, in the winters or, you know, it's in the 40s. I think when I was there, it would be 60s typically um, wintertime. Now, summers were brutal. Uh, August, when we came came to school, it was heat index of 105, 110, um, really uh, really humid, obviously. Um, but I loved, I loved LSU. Um, the football team was really good when I was there. Um, so it was, it was a lot of fun Saturday nights, um, and Death Valley were, were definitely a highlight. That's uh, from a, uh, from just a casual, you know, I, I enjoy watching college football, especially the big games. It, it always seems like there is that special electricity uh, for night games, especially at Baton Rouge. I, that's one place on my bucket list. I'd, I'd love to go see a game and, and just experience that whole tailgate atmosphere. The tailgating is unbelievable. Um, I grew up, we grew up going to every Clemson game, and it wasn't Clemson how, how Clemson is now. It was Clemson in uh, the early 2000s when they go, six and six, seven and five every, <laughs> every, every year. But, um, you know, Clemson had a great fan base then. Um, and then obviously now with, with them doing so well, they're doing it. It's, it's even better, but tailgating is on another level in Louisiana. I think, you know, it's the food in general in Louisiana is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's no rules, you know. You've got people if there's <laughs> if it's a seven o'clock game, you got people out at seven o'clock in the morning drinking and and having a big old time. Um, my my official visit was for the Florida game in two thousand nine when uh, it was Tebow's last year, and Florida ended up winning. But we were walking through the tailgates, and you saw all these little kids that had these stuffed gators. And they had a string around the head. They were care- they were dragging it on the ground like they had killed the gator. And then people were eating gator. Um, it was uh, it was a big old time. Yeah, that, that's quite that's quite the scene, uh, especially as a as a high school senior. Um, oh yeah. Well, let let me back up, and I maybe should have led with this question, but how, who, and what was most instrumental to getting you into the game of golf? <laughs> Um, my dad's a club professional, um, so I grew up. I grew up at the golf course. Um, he is still my teacher, um, and you know he got me into the game. I remember when I was a kid. Uh, his rule was we had to ask. I have an older brother, and we each had to ask to be taught how to play golf. Um, so it was never forced upon me, which I think helped a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it was always my choice to go, go practice. I, we played everything growing up, but I grew up around the golf course in the summers when my brother was playing junior events and I wasn't old enough to play in them. I would spend all day at the golf course. I remember the Thursdays, the ladies would play in the morning. They'd let me play with them in the morning. I'd have lunch and then the cart boys play in the afternoon and they let me go play with them in the afternoon. So I play 36, 45 holes on Thursdays. 
and I was lucky that obviously the membership let me kind of have free run of the place too and I could kind of go practice and do whatever I wanted to which that was definitely a benefit of of where we were and and my dad being being the man in charge and how old how much older is your brother he's two and a half years older than I am okay I'm I'm curious about the first time you beat him in golf and then you know uh, the first time you you beat your dad in golf do do you remember were, were those uh you know big milestones for you or can you remember specifically when when you would have beaten him for the first time uh it we've we've never played i don't think Drew's ever let me play the same tee as him recently okay <laughs> um <laughs> and then i don't remember the first time i beat dad i remember drew and i would always go play and we'd play for something. So like we'd always, I had no idea what I was doing. We would play like this two and one game. So we played $2 a hole, a dollar birdie. Okay. And I was just like, I would press it like crazy at the end <laughs> because he would give me, he would give me shots for a while. And I probably lost, I mean, probably lost hundreds of dollars to him when I was like 12 years old and <laughs> he never got it, but I never, I never ended up paying it. But I remember we played it, uh, we played it one day, and I shot 32 on the front, and he had shot like 34. And on the back, he shot 32, and I shot 32, and I beat him by like two. Obviously, I was playing like the white tee at the time. I was probably about 15, and he would have been 18, so he was getting ready to go to Coastal. Um, and that's the first time I remember doing it. I might have done it before then. It's nothing like I can't remember the first time I broke par. I can't remember any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but – I remember I didn't get any shots after that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, hang on, what was that, a 64, 32-32? Or 32-34? Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a 64, yeah. S- yeah, 64. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is strong. So you, you then, I'm, I'm guessing you knew fairly early on in your golf career, I mean, you, you probably had the sense that this was something you wanted to play, not only in, in college, but uh, to do you remember, you know, when you first had an eye towards, hey, I could, you know, maybe do this professionally? I remember the first time I, I'd always wanted to do it. Um, but I think the first time that I realized, oh, hey, I can do this is when I won the national championship my freshman year. That opened a lot of doors for me. I went and played, I only played one event that summer. Stupidly, I did summer school. And so I only played <laughs> the women's, the women's AM. And I made it to the semifinals of the women's AM that summer. And then I got to play in what was the Craft Nabisco, which is now the ANA inspiration. And when I played that, um, obviously our first major of the year, I didn't play great. I, I didn't feel like I played well at all. I made the cut and then finished like 45th. And I think that was eye-opening to me just because I think as, a, as an amateur, you always think, oh, wow, you know, pros are so much better than I am when you're a good college player, a good amateur player. And then when you see them up, up close, you see what they do well. But you also see, oh, well, it's not that far off from what I already do. I just need to clean up. You know, I knew I knew I had some things I definitely need to work on and mm-hmm. get more consistent. But I knew that if I played well, then I could have finished in the top 10. I could have had a chance to win that week. Where when I didn't play well, I still made the cut. and And I think that was... That was the first time I looked at it. And I said, "Oh wow, yeah, I could definitely do this." Yeah. Uh, so that that NCAA championship was 2011. That was your freshman year. You know, almost 10 years on now. What what stands out 
the most to you from final round or, or final couple rounds? So I remember I I can tell you what I shot each round. Um, I, I can tell you a lot of sh- a lot of shots actually from the round. Um, my I have a golf brain in that way. Um, I I shot seventy two the first. I shot even the first round, and then I shot sixty six the second round. And so six hundred, I was in the lead. I think I had a three shot lead. In the third round, I shot seventy seven, but I had two triples. So we we played uh, played eight holes. We got called in for rain delay. And we ended up only playing, I think, 14 holes that day. So I made a triple on number nine, and I made a triple on number 12 or 13. And so we go in, and the next day, uh, we finish our last four holes. I think I'm part in um, that morning. And we didn't play again until like 2 p.m. And I shot 66 in the final round. I made my first hole in one on the second hole. No kidding. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I think I blacked out on the tee box. <laughs> yeah, well, that's <laughs> I <was> so <laughs> talk about a, a good time to have your first days. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, and then it was the third hole. Uh, I was walking to the third tee, and I was like, "Okay, you just gotta hit the fairway," <laughs> and put it in the fairway, and I hit it on kind of the back part of the green. I made like a forty footer for birdie, and I was like, "Okay, well, this is gonna be a good day," and uh, made the turn in five under. Um, the weird thing about uh, the national championship, I don't know how it is now, but they used to not have any individual scoreboards. So you didn't know what you, how you stood. So they always had the team score. So I could look at the team score and we were, um, we were a few, few shots behind and I knew the girl that was leading was playing for UCLA, but I couldn't tell what, what she was at. So I ended up, uh, a birdied, birdied 15, uh, bogeyed 16, um, birdie 17 and part 18 and my team ran out on the green and I looked at him I was like did I win and they all started laughing and I I, I was like you didn't answer the question <laughs> they're like yeah you're gonna win um so I uh I won by three there was a girl for Arkansas that was still on the golf course that so it wasn't official whenever I walked off um but yeah I can remember just about every shot from uh from that day in particular. Well, then in 2014, you capture your first LPGA Tour victory. You won the the Portland Classic, defeated IK Kim uh, in a playoff, and and had a two-shot lead, actually, standing on the 17th tee. And you bogeyed 17, bogeyed 18. Do you remember what was going through your mind um, during, you know, during the 17th and 18th hole? Were, were you... Were you aware of where you stood? Were you nervous? Was there any, you know, were you feeling pressure? Or was it just, you know, just a couple of bogeys at, at a bad time? Um, I remember, uh, I kind of, I knew where I stood pretty much all day. Um, I got off to a good start. I looked at a leaderboard on six, I think. Uh, I think I had the lead at that time. Uh, I think I teed off about three or four groups ahead of the leaders. And then we got to 10, and I made a I made a par on ten. It's par par five, and um, my brother caddies for me. And Drew looked at me. I kind of hit a putt, kind of tentatively, and he said, "Hey, keep the pedal down. Let's go." And so I birdied. I think I birdied twelve. I birdied fourteen, and I got seventeen. Um, I figured I probably still had the lead, and uh, I hit my drive a little bit left, kind of in the trees, punched it up near the green, and 
hit a chip shot about six feet past the hole and I ran it about six feet by the hole. <laughs> and that's when I was like, oh crap. <laughs> but, uh, I, I made that one. And then on 18, I hit it. There's a bunker on the, on the right at, or kind of right edge of the fairway. And the pins tucked left and the greens were pretty firm. So I knew that bunker wasn't very good. So I hit my drive a little bit left again. And I kind of hit a skanky six iron out right. And I think I hit it on like the right edge of the green. I had a long putt. I had like an 80 footer. And I hit it up there just a little bit short, kind of right. I think I had about an eight footer to, to make par. Um, and I hit a good putt, missed the putt. And uh, obviously I knew where I stood. Um, I don't think it was really, ner- I mean, obviously I was, I was nervous, um, trying to win for the first time. I, that was really the first time I had been in contention on tour. Um, I'd, I'd had a couple top tens. I had been in contention. Actually, I'd been in contention earlier that year in Toledo and I had played, I'd played poorly, but you know, it was good for me kind of coming down the stretch. I could kind of learned what, what I did poorly there that I could, kind of go back on and I remember I talked to my dad after the round and he said hey he still shot 67 he had a great round if you had made those birdie if you'd made those bogeys on number 10 and 11 nobody would say anything about it so don't worry about the fact that you made them on 17 18 if you get a playoff go do it what you can what you know you can do and uh it's funny because he actually told me I was aimed left on both my tee shots on 17 18 hmm. so that's kind of where tv TV comes in handy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, went out in the playoff and uh, hit a great drive right down the middle. And I hit it on the, the back middle part of the green. IK hit it right and chipped it over about 10 feet away. And um, my putt rolled right over the edge, about a foot, foot and a half by. That tapped it in and she missed. And uh, that, was a, that was a really cool moment to um, – it was really cool to get my first win, and it was really cool to share it with Drew. I mm-hmm. thought that, that made it 10 times better. Has he been your caddy uh, the whole time on tour? When I first turned pro, I had – he was still playing golf. So I had a guy for about probably the first probably first half of the year that was a professional caddy. He had been out there for a while. And then he he um, went back to the PGA Tour. He was working for Rio Ishikawa. And then Drew had kind of stopped playing – and start working for me middle of the year and haven't looked back since. Do you guys baker at all? Are, are there any times where you, where you really butt heads like brothers and sisters? <laughs> um, the first year we bakered more than we do now because we stayed together every week. Okay. So if we, now he stays with the guys, I stay with the girls and we're, we're normally very good. We, we do a very good job of kind of, um, I think the great thing about having your brother caddy for you is he knows all the things that piss you off. Yeah. So he cannot do them <laughs> unless he just wants to be mean and do them anyways. Um, so I think for a working relationship, that's really good. Obviously if you spend time together, all the, if you spend all the time, then it's like when you're a little kid and you would just do things to annoy them because it's fun. <laughs> exactly. And so when we got away from staying together, he stopped, you know, we both, we both stopped doing it. Um, and we were much happier. So we've, we've kind of learned what works for us. I think the only time, only time we stay together is, uh, most of the time in majors, my parents come out and we'll all run a house. Okay. But then we're not staying in the same room. So that's, that's normally good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, since that first tour victory, uh, you've, you know, you've made a boatload of cuts. 
Um, you've been, from my eye at least, very consistent. You were a part of the 2017 Solheim Cup team. Uh, you, in 2018, you had your best finish at a major. You were runner-up at the uh, Evian Championship. My question is, and I know this is a weird time to ask it with, you know, completely being shut down, but what what are your goals? Um, and, you know, what what do you think you need to work on to, to really take that next step uh, to to get to where you want to go? I think obviously, you know, I want to I want to win more um, every year. Every year I finish second besides last year, every year since 2014, I've, I've had a second place finish. So I've, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of chances. Um, 18 was my best year as far as putting myself in contention more. Um, I think I had two seconds, like you said, at Evian, I had a chance coming down the stretch there. Um, and I played well, you know, for me, it's, it's more when I putt well, I play well. I've always, always been a good, good iron player. Um, I'm always kind of up there in greens and regulation. So I think for me, if I drive the ball in the fairway and if if I putt just a little bit better, then that's kind of where I'll have my better weeks. That's where I'll contend. My, my wedge game has gotten a lot better the last few years. So I think that's that's obviously helped. But in the end, I mean, professional golf, you just got to get the ball in the hole. You know, you just got to gotta make a lot of birdies. You know, we shoot 20 under typically wins. So if you're not making a bunch of birdies, then you're you're not going to win. What's your go-to shot under pressure? Is it do you do you fade the ball? Do you draw it? What's what's uh, what are you most comfortable hitting? When- I hit I hit it pretty straight, but I try to feel like I hit a little cut under pressure. Okay. Um, I've always kind of set up a little bit open and just kind of let it bleed back a little bit. Now, it wouldn't be nearly what you would say, like Dustin would cut it. You know, Dustin will cut it 20 yards probably. Mine would be like a five-yard cut. All right. Well, Austin, if you don't mind, I have some questions here that, that people have submitted, and I would love to um, – I've, I've grouped them a little bit by, you know, by, by certain categories. But do you mind if, if I just kind of fire some questions at you and, and we go through these? Yeah, sounds good. All right. Uh, the first ones are kind of tour slash venue related. Uh, the the first okay. one coming from at the Brewers Best. He I, or he or she. I'm I don't know. Um, they ask, what's one aspect of the game uh, that you think the general public doesn't give women on the LPGA tour enough credit for? I would say ball striking. Um, oh, I would say that it's obviously we're very different than the guys. Obviously the guys hit it just ridiculously far, but our accuracy is something that if you, when I play with guys, they always comment on, they always are talking about fairways hit and, um, how, you know, we can hit a hybrid or a hybrid when they're hitting a seven iron or a seven iron when they're hitting a wedge into a green. And we seem to hit it a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. Um, they just talk about how much control we have of it. Obviously, part of that speed, but I think that's something that gets overlooked with us because we do play courses that play much longer for us. I think it's, you know, you're supposed to do 85% is what a, a course would be um, if you're going to make it fair between the guys and, and us. And, you know, 7,000-yard course, we play something like 5,800 yards, which typically we play 
from 65, 66. So I'll just say um, consistency and uh, accuracy with with really everything. Yeah. Uh, is there an aspect that the Brewers best also asked this, is there an aspect that is most relatable, uh, for the average viewer? Um, and, and I'll preface that with just my own experience. You know, I tune in and watch a PGA tour golf and it's like what I watch on television isn't really relatable, uh, <laughs> to, to anything in, in my game, but I do really enjoy watching the LPGA because, and I'll answer my own question, but I'm curious if, if you have something else. I feel like the distances you guys hit the ball and, and, you know, whether you're using a a seven iron from, you know, X amount of yards is very relatable to me. Now you are obviously (laughs) hitting much better shots from that distance, but, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a game that, that it looks very familiar to me. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to say. I mean, we play, you know, we play pro-ams every Wednesday and, Typically, you know, I'm hitting it as far, if not farther, than most of the guys I'm playing with. But it's much more relatable because, you know, if you watch a guy hit an eight iron, two hundred and ten yards, I can't relate to that. I mean, yeah, I hit a, no. I hit a five with that far, basically. So it's it's one of those things that, you know, I hit my eight iron one hundred and fifty yards, which I think a lot more people can understand that. And I think that's where if you watch. If you watch us and realize that, then you realize how how good we are. <laughs> yeah, yes, no, absolutely. Um, I don't. I want to say that in the most like humble way possible. But I guess <laughs> no. that's just the way you put it. I, I, I can vouch. Yeah, let think, let me say it for you. Know, you. A lot yeah, of, a lot of. I think a lot of guys, especially you know, if you look at um, guys that are my age, you know, I'm 28. So if you look in that kind of 25 to 35 range, a lot of guys think that are just you know your ever everyday player they probably think that a seven handicap could go beat some of us. But I I don't think they realize how far we're playing from. I think a lot of people think that, oh, they're probably playing from the ladies' tees, when in reality we're playing from the blue tee at most golf courses. Mm-hmm. We're kind of playing one up from the tips, which I think that's something that you you don't realize if you aren't paying attention to how far the holes are, that kind of thing. Um, but I think it's funny because I'm, I'm like five, five and I can hit it past a lot of the guys I play with (laughs) and they hate that. Uh, well, I actually have some questions kind of along those lines, which, which I'll get to in just a minute. Uh, James Copeland asks, other than Augusta, what course do the men play that you wish you, you all got to play? I assume he means the LPGA tour. Does he mean every, every year they play it or like major rotations? Um, both. if you have an answer to both, yeah, let's shoot. Why not? Let's, let's do both. I'd say, I mean, every, every year <clears throat> other than Augusta, I would have to say Pebble. That would be, we get to play us open there. I think in 23, which I'm really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say basically if you just ran down the entire us open rotation, I think we would all love to play, play Marion, you know, this year Wingfoot. um, we got to play Oakmont. I don't, that was a long time ago. That was ten years ago. Um, you got a you've got a lot of a lot of golf courses that um, I would I would love for them to um, have us play. I think Marion would be fantastic for us to play, just as far as the length of it. Mm-hmm. You could do 
do what you wanted with it. Um, and it can be very, uh, it'd be great for us. I think we would all enjoy that. What, what the, um, PJ America has done where we get to play the, a lot of the older, um, PJ championship courses. We've all, that's become, that's become my favorite event of the year to be able to go play. We play Wilshire country club in LA every year now for one of the events. And, and that's a great, that's a great golf course. Um, old school, I think a lot of the old school courses would be great for us. Nate, whose Twitter handle is at just some guy 29 asks, what's your favorite tour stop? Uh, my favorite tour stop has got to be Portland. Um, I just have too many good memories there. That's where I shot the 62, um, and 13. And then I won in 14. Um, and then, you know, you've just got so much good food in Portland. Godmar, I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, asks, what major venue were you most excited for uh, to play this year and why? Well, I hope we still play it. Um, I was really looking forward to uh, Aronimic for the Women's PGA Championship. I've heard I've heard really good things about it. I've heard it's, you know, old school. Um, you kind of have to be able to work the ball both ways off the tee. They said it's a lot like Olympic in that way. Um, and I've seen pictures of it. It just looks unbelievable. I'm the same way. I, I, I hope that that event is still played. And uh, we were actually, that's one we we were going to get to this year. So, was, yeah, selfishly for a few reasons. I, uh, I hope it still gets played this year. Uh, Secret Retail Pro asks, uh, what is one thing you see at PGA Tour stops that you wish LPGA Tour stops had? As far as like player amenities, I would like a courtesy car every week. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I would, I, I think something PGA Tour has that would be fantastic would be just um, ShotLink. I would love ShotLink. Are you are you pretty analytical? Do you try to be analytical with your game? Well, I think it's just so it's so cool how how easy it would be to break down what you need to work on. Um, I was talking to one of the guys a few years ago and. You know, even the putting stats, they've got, okay, you make this amount of putts from three feet and in, you make this amount from four to eight feet, this amount from eight to 12 feet, whatever. But to be able to look at that and say, oh, well, okay, well, I'm really good at putting outside of 15 feet. Well, okay, well, I need to spend all my time between 10 and 15 feet or five to 10 feet, whatever it is. I think it's just, it makes it so easy to break things down. And, you know, they've got the the stats from, you know, 50 to 75 yards, 75 to 100 yards, 120, 100 to 125, stuff like that just makes it where you can really see where your strengths are and you can really see where your weaknesses are. Where mm-hmm. for us, we have to do a little bit more of that thinking on our own. Yeah, and sometimes your sense of what might be a strength or, or a weakness of yours, you know, without all that data – you might have the wrong impression. Something that you think is a strength might not actually be, relatively speaking, uh, a strength. Or conversely, you know, a weakness might actually not be that weak compared to the field. Exactly. I, you know, you can I, look I certainly at, understand um, that. You know, if you look at putting a certain way, if you know, if you hit the ball inside 15 feet all day, well, and you hit every green, okay, well, you're obviously going to have more putts. Or if mm-hmm. you don't hit it inside 15 feet all day, but you hit every green, or if you miss a bunch of greens, okay, you might have. 25 putts but she missed 10 greens where okay well i hit every green and i had 31 putts well that's not actually terrible shot five under yeah but 
oh, if I put a little bit better, but you know, you kind of, cause you kind of have to look at it. Okay. You know, what's your proximity, that kind of thing. Um, which we don't have, we don't have any type of proximity stat. So you could look at it the same way where, oh, I hit a bunch of greens, but is your proximity really that good? You know, if the greens are big, are you hitting it close enough to where it's, it's actually beneficial for you? Obviously it's always beneficial to the green, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where, oh, we are actually hitting your numbers. Uh, Richard Gwynn asks, uh, what is your favorite major? I would say now it's, it's probably the KPMG women's PGA championship. Um, just the venues we play. Is that because you get a courtesy car? <laughs> <laughs> you do get a courtesy car. There. I know, I know. Um, and then I, I, I would say that's my favorite. Now, it used to be the U.S. Open. And then now I think um, just with how well that tournament is run and how, how good they treat us, I think the PGA of America has done a fantastic job taking that event over. And, you know, we get to play some fantastic golf courses in the next few years. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Brock Kinzer asks, would you be interested in an event co-sanctioned by the PGA and LPGA tours? And uh, assuming if so, uh, what would you want it to look like? And is there a course that you would want it to be played on? Absolutely. I think that would be amazing. I think you'd get a ton of people wanting to see something like that. I, w- I would like to see it where it would be – you know, some form of alternate shots, some form of best ball. If you even did something like a scramble one day, yeah, I think it would be where you actually are using your teammate one day, especially with alternate shot. I mean, that would be really entertaining to get a guy and a girl playing alternate shot because it would be, it would look way different than even when we play it, you know, at Solheim um, or at now at the Dow, just with where, where we would have to play some of our second shots from with the guys <laughs> in the tee shot <laughs> for one. But I think, uh, I think that'd be awesome. Um, I mean, if, if this would never happen, I'd love for it to be at Augusta. I want to play Augusta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, sign me up for that. I, I, for one would, would, uh, would absolutely love to see that. Um, I want to move into kind of talking about some of your LPGA peers a little bit. Uh, the, okay. the first question is from, I, and I apologize if I pronounce the name wrong, Tavita Masao. Justin Thomas had said, I, I referenced a podcast we did a couple weeks ago with him. Uh, he was talking about how Jordan Spieth is kind of the best at getting it around without without his A game, if you will. Um, he can kind of scrape it around and still shoot, you know, three, four, five under par. Uh, the, the question is, who do you think navigates the course better than anyone else on the LPGA? I mean, I think you'd have to look at NB. I played with NB, and you know, you get done, and I shoot three under, and we're in the scoring tent, and she she shoots four, and I'm like, "What? How did you beat me today?" <laughs> um, but I think you know, you look at anybody that kind of, you know, they don't quite have it, but they still figure out how to get in the hole, and I think you know, NB would be a great one for that. Uh, Lizette Salas does it really well. You know, it's just you, I've gotten better at it. I don't know if I get days where, you know, sometimes I can, I can turn a even par and, or a, you know, three over into a two under, but you really have to 
manage it. You have to know, okay, I don't have it. I can't go at that pen. I've got to hit it over here. And I think, you know, I think MB does that better than anybody. If you could steal one aspect of somebody else's game, whether that's physical or mental, uh, what what aspect would you take and, and from whom? If you gave me MB's putting stats for the last five years, I'd take that. I probably would have won a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Um, Andrew, uh, Andrew Teague asks, who do you think is the best player on the LPGA at playing opposite-handed? Um... I haven't seen too many people. Uh, Is that a thing? Have you ever played left-handed? Jess, Jess has a pretty good swing left-handed. Okay. Um, we played putt-putt left-handed. I beat her <laughs> in that, so maybe maybe not the putting part. Um, yeah, like my swing is awful left-handed. Like I can barely hit the ball. I can't imagine. You hear stories though. So, like the the one that always sticks out is VJ Singh is apparently a scratch golfer left-handed. Which just blows really? my mind. Yeah. There was a girl, she's not on tour anymore. She used to warm up um, hitting balls left-handed. She had about probably 15 balls left-handed. That's, um, that's wild. Her swing was fantastic. But I don't, I don't, I can't think of anybody else that I've seen actually hit a ball left-handed. The other part I should mention, the other part of Andrew Teague's question was, how many strokes do you think you could beat me by if you were playing left-handed? But it sounds like if, if you don't, you know. If, if I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't break <laughs> 150. Okay, <laughs> so that gives me a little comfort that, that maybe then, I could clip you. <laughs> then you would destroy me. So, so. Take, so take that, Andrew Teague. Um, yeah. Double bogey Dave, who I know, good guy, double bogey Dave, he asks, have you ever been paired with a group of guys who weren't happy about being paired with a lady who didn't know you were a pro? And he also asks, how badly did you beat them? I haven't played with anybody like that since I was a pro. Okay. I, so, I'm sure you had a lot of stories, though, especially being being around the club growing up or you know in, in your junior days. Yeah, and I've had friends that want me to hustle their friends now. <laughs> <laughs> they want me to you know go on the range and obviously get a different bag go on the range and you know shank one or two and then we get out there and somehow they tell them oh hey we're gonna play a money game and then i just destroy everybody <laughs> but i haven't been mean enough to do that yet <laughs> you ever go to top golf and just like run into strangers like hey you're pretty you know you're pretty good at this do, do you ever think about playing golf <laughs> yeah we've gone um nobody's ever done that but we we have gone before and people will come by and be like, wow, you hit that one really good. (laughs) It's like, if only they knew. (laughs) Um, Kid Ziggurat, I don't know, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, I thought this was a good question. They ask, you would trade your NCAA title for and blank LPGA wins. So essentially asking, would you trade your NCAA title for an LPGA win, um, a major Essentially, they're asking not factoring in money, just pride. Uh, how, how would you rank that that NCAA title? Um, I don't know. I think I'd hold on to it just because it. I I really think it helped me get on tour. Um, I think mentally it helped me get on tour. Uh, it's still something that I can go back to when I was in contention at um, at Evian, and this was you know, two years ago in 2018, I can look back and say, oh, remember that shot you hit on 
15 coming down the stretch at the national championship, you know, you, you can pull stuff from that. And I think that that really jump started my career. So I think, I think I'd hold on to it. The major, the major's tempting. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but I, I think I'll hold on to it. Awesome. I love that answer. Um, Kevin Nolan, who apparently was a walking scorer for you at, at the Aussie Open, uh, he, he asks, how do you hit it so far for somebody your size? And he, he goes on to say, I'm still telling people about that bomb you hit on number four over the crosswalk. <laughs> um, and I'll, I, I've, sorry, I I'll, I'll, I'll add my own addendum. Are you, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but how, how would you, are you long for the LPGA Tour? How, how is your distance, do you think, relative, uh, relative to your peers? I'm upper average. I think a couple of years ago I was like 30th on tour in length. So probably for my size that, I mean, that's, that's probably pretty, I'm like five, five. I'm not, I'm not tall. I'm not, you know, I'm not a, a Lexi or a, or a Jess or a Michelle Wee. <laughs> uh, so I've always turned well behind the ball. So what I've done recently is I've just, really done a better job of keeping my lower body a little bit more stable and actually having a good base to turn around. But if anything, you know, I, I've never had to think about turning my body behind the ball more. I have such a big upper body turn that if anything, I almost need to, to not let it get too much. So I don't hit, so I don't take the club back too far and lose, uh, lose accuracy. But I think it's just one of those things playing so much golf. I've, I've learned how to, how to kind of use, use the ground a little bit more recently and, uh, and get the most out of it. Colton 615 asks, uh, <laughs> this is somewhat a joke, but what oath did you have to take to join the troops? And I think that's in reference to your, <laughs> your PXG trip. equipment deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no oath. I wish I had a clever thing to come back with, but <laughs> nothing, nothing jumps. <laughs> I, I, let me you follow up. To me yet. Let me follow up on that. What's what's that process like, uh, or what was it like for you picking out an equipment company to go with? Uh, for me, so I I started playing. Um, well, so when I first started out on tour, I was with TaylorMade, and then TaylorMade a few years ago just basically got rid of every LPGA player. I think they had Paula, but that was the only one. Uh, so I had no club deal for a little while, and. I started playing the PhD irons. I think it was 2015 and loved the irons and the end of 15 was kind of looking around who I would, who I'd sign with 15 or 16. I actually can't remember the year of that and ended up, I had a really good start to 20 years. And, um, big thing for me was the driver. So, I tested the driver for a while and then put it in play and signed a deal right after that. So for me, when I test clubs now, so when you know I'm testing new irons or if I'm testing new wedges or a new driver, my rule is I don't put it in unless it's better than what I have. So, you know, I might play, I have the new irons in, but, you know, I might, it took me for the Gen 2s, it took me two, three months before I got, okay, yeah, these are good. I'll put them in. I have no problem keeping something, keeping something that's old. Um, but you know, you're doing track man for, for numbers, but I really want to play with it make sure I can hit shots with, with clubs. 
Um, Ethan Lear asks, uh, he says, Austin, taking a look at your Twitter feed, you're a big fan of tigers. But if only one type of tiger could exist, which one of these would you pick from? The LSU Tigers, Tiger Woods, or the Tiger King, which is the the hit show right now on Netflix. In case uh, in case you I, haven't I'm, seen that, I just finished that one. Okay, all right. Well, then it's a, it's an even better question for you. Then you can only have one tiger in your life. Man, that is a difficult question. Not with the Tiger King, because you know we can just we can just mix Joe Exotic. That was a great TV show, but um, you're gonna have to get rid of Tiger Woods, or tiger uh, yeah, and. LSU, man. <laughs> Do I get college football if I choose against LSU? Uh, I mean, it's hard not to choose. You can have What's the rest of college football, yeah. Can I have the can I have LSU college football? No. Um, man, I think as a golfer, it's so hard not to choose Tiger Woods. That's <laughs> man. This is making me question a lot of things right now. I don't know. I think I've. Uh, I might. I might. Uh, lose some LSU faithful, but I think I got to go Tiger Woods. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, you really are a golf sicko. I'm such a golf nerd. <laughs> so I'm a Bengals fan, and I was hoping you could give me a little scouting report on, on Joe Burrow, who looks like he's going to be the number one pick uh, for the Bengals here in, in another week or so. I think he's going to be fantastic. Y'all just need somebody to protect him. Which is a problem with the Bengals. <laughs> so if he can get some protection, I think uh, he's he's unbelievable. Um, I mean, I obviously uh, Joe Brady too, but I LSU was even when we were really good when I was in in school. That offense was hard to watch sometimes. Our defense was unbelievable, but our offense, you know, you could pretty much guess what the play was going to be pitch right, pitch left. And that was so much fun to watch last year. Uh, and, you know, you got to you gotta tip your hat to, um, obviously, Joe Burrow, but Joe Brady and Steven Springer, they did unbelievable things with that offense. Did you get to any games? No, I'm so upset. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to be in one of the Asian events. And I could have gone to the Florida game, and I didn't realize it. Who's been your uh, Who's been your favorite LSU athlete? Um, I mean Shaq's Shaq's up there. Um, have you met him? Have you ever crossed paths with him? No, I haven't met Shaq. I like David Tom's. I think David Tom's is a great guy. Yeah. Um, and then other than that, I was at I was at school with um a lot of the football players. Uh, I was I was same year as uh, Odell. Tyron Matthew, we were the same year, so I got to, I got to see a lot of a lot of those guys around campus a good bit. Those uh, that was the thing about LSU, like you said, they, their defenses have always been superb, and those early twenty ten teams, it was very frustrating, even from my perspective, because they had so much talent at the skill positions, but it just never seemed they they didn't they could never figure out a good way to, you know, get the ball. To certain people in space consistently, um, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it, it was uh, it, it was very very interesting to watch. Um, I I will we're, we're about at an hour. I've kept you so long here. I have one last question for you, 
And it is if you could have one swing back in your entire career, which one would you love to redo? Man, I don't know. That is such a good question. Maybe that's a good sign. You don't have one that, yeah. you know, really haunts you. I don't you know, I don't have anything that haunts me. I have the the one tournament I think I should have won that I didn't win would have been in two thousand fifteen. But I if I hit the ball unbelievably well that week. Yeah, I can't think of anything where I was top that because you know it you know, you'd think I'd say something like Evian where I lost by one, but I I hit some I hit some really good shots that week. Um and none none really stick out. You know, I have I have one that I, I know what I meant on the hole, so I could say I take that one back. Twelfth hole, I think like the third day, second or third day, I hit one right up into the trees and ended up making a double bogey. So I mean, right there I guess you could say that. But uh I don't have anything that, that really haunts me. That's that's really interesting to me, and honestly, I hope it's mm. I, I hope it stays that way for because, you. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't have anything that that jumps out to me that oh you know that that lost you that lost you a tournament that kind of thing. Um, even, I'm sure I have a swing like that. I just can't remember it. <laughs> even going back to like the uh, when you played in the U.S. Women's Amateur, losing in the semis was that a you know a, a close match or was you know did that come down to a one hole or one swing even? Yeah, well, we came down to the 18th hole, and I was four under, I believe. Uh, I played uh, Mariah Jutanagarn. Uh, she beat me. She was five under. I was four under. Um, but she did beat me on the last hole. I bogeyed the last hole. So, yes, you can say that one. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, the, the fickleness of match play right mm-hmm. there. I did. I, actually, <laughs> I do have one shot that actually just came to me. Okay, wow. here I'm we like, go. go through all these bad, <laughs> bad shots in my head. I just, had, I just had to keep scratching <laughs> at the at those scabs. Yeah. <laughs> open open the wound. I had I'd blocked out so many things. I had one at uh, Kingsmill in 18. I think I had the lead at the time. Um, I topped it off the tee with a 3-1. <laughs> like cold top? It was a cold top. It went to the it went to the front tee tee box. Yeah, we were on like the back tee, maybe one up for the back tee. And I remember it because I had to. We were playing left clean of place because it poured down rain. It was the year that the tournament was shortened to fifty four holes. I was in the last group, um, and I had to call an official because I was on the tee box and I had to ask if I could <laughs> left clean and place it because there was mud on the ball. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but I. <laughs> Oh, you can laugh. I laughed. Well, my natural follow-up question, how many, like, so I hit lots of shots like that, of course, as you can I've never, imagine. I how, have how, never hit a shot like that off a tee. Well, th- that's what I was going to ask. I can think of. Maybe maybe one other time I had done it. How about? That's why I was I was shocked. I had no idea what I had done. How about in a given year, maybe not even from the tee, like, like how many times in a given year do you hit a, a, an absolutely exceptionally, like, poor shot? Like, I'm talking – a cold top or a cold shank or you know something like that. I don't shank it very often. I'm more of a more of a toe hitter. Um, I don't know. You know, you get a handful of them. You get just some brutal ones. I mean, you look at they just don't get as as many on of ours on TV, I guess. <laughs> but I mean, you look at the guys. You got you got Webb shanking one a lot. You got JT shanking them. Um, but. You know, every now and then you get a handful a year. I'd say they're not all in tournaments, but you get a few. Get a few at home. Oh, the good ones outweigh it, though. I was gonna say, I a handful is usually you know about my my average round. But um, 
Well, I appreciate you being a good sport and ha- have really enjoyed this conversation, Austin. I uh, like like everybody. I, I hope you know we can get back to normal and 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 the golf world and you know the LPGA tour can fire back up as soon as possible. But I, I appreciate you taking time today and uh, yeah, really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for having me. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who 